Plugin Alley presents Working in Music Sucks, the show where we talk about what sucks about working in music so you don't have the same problems. I'm your host, John Maciel, and in this episode, we're going to talk about something that is a fundamental and kind of break it down, maybe familiar to some of you, but to newer people in the audio recording industry might not be so obvious. And there are a lot of blurs in what today's topic is going to be on, and that is studio roles. And I felt like it was important to make this episode because there's so much blur between the lines of today's, uh, like what people expect from today's producers and mixers. And there's so many roles that just everyone thinks like one role is the same thing when really there are numerous roles in the studio world. And I'm just breaking down today's episode into I don't know, like eight or 10. I have them written down, but I didn't number them. So I don't quite remember, but it's so that you kind of have the base for knowing what these terms are when you're out there. Cause no one really taught me all these. I had to learn them by either being these roles myself or being in an environment where someone was referred to as this role and then figuring out like, Oh, so what exactly do they do? And this isn't going to be like a hundred percent accurate job description. This is going to be like a quick synopsis of what each role is just so you understand. And also when you're pricing yourself and rating yourself, these are roles to keep in mind. Cause if you're someone who's handling the studio on your own in your own place and you're like, you're everything, then essentially, you know, you need to take into account, like you're doing the job of like 10 people. So let's break down with the first one, which is an intern, which is everyone thinks an intern is someone who just like cleans toilets, but that is so far from what an intern should be. But unfortunately, this industry is plagued with individuals who run what I call intern meals. And intern meals essentially are someone who needs help for like three months or two months for a project. They can't pay them, so they offer experience when really they're not interning in the sense of what the intern role actually means. And someone that an intern is someone that has given up their time with minor assisting duties in exchange for real world experience and they can be paid and unpaid. And in the music world, in terms of studio, most internships are going to be unpaid. Um, a lot of mine, a lot of my internships were unpaid, but there is a way to make those valuable to yourself that I'm going to cover in another episode from my personal experience and experience I've seen from friends because even though you're getting, you're not getting paid, there are ways to make these opportunities worthwhile if you know how to leverage them properly and go into it with the right mindset. But being an intern means you are someone who is going to go clean a studio, clean up bathrooms, make coffee, do like the basics that need to be done. But in exchange, you are given the opportunity to be in the room with an engineer to watch them work. You are given the opportunity to, uh, you know, clean up to get some, you know, free studio time. An internship isn't just showing up to a studio just to clean and that's it. And maybe the opportunity arises for you to work in the studio. That's not an internship. That's just like free labor. So that's one thing that is a taboo in the industry. People don't like to talk about, but that's the reality of it. And if you're someone that's in that situation, you're like, man, this internship sucks. I it like sucks. I can't, I never do anything studio related. You're in the, you're not in an internship. You're just free labor and you need to either have a tough conversation with someone and they might let you go, or you just need to walk away from that situation. Especially if it's been any, if it's been more than 90 days and you haven't had any meaningful experiences or knowledge bombs where you're just like, Oh, 
God, this changes everything. That's just not a situation worth being in. Um, that's just my opinion. Some people might say that, uh, everyone should try everything once I don't. And we'll talk more about that in the intern, uh, episode because I can rant on that for hours. The next one is a runner and a runner is just someone who is going to help get everything together before the session to set up the session, get it, uh, get everything just in order that needs to be done. And during the session, they could be an individual who hops in to the room to see if anyone needs anything, um, and then bounce and go do the next thing or that needs to be done, but they're just running around as a runner. And oftentimes a runner as an intern, your role could be being the runner in that studio or that session for the day. So it's not the same role, but it can encompass the same thing. So that's why I'm saying like these terms get so blurred, but they're specific roles just because some an intern may not be trusted to be in a room of a certain session, but the producer and the assistant engineer, the recording engineer don't need any more people in the room, but they will need a runner to go and get stuff or make sure things are situated right. Cause everyone kind of has all hands on deck. So they need a runner to do just extra miscellaneous things. And that's all you're going to do as a runner is you're just going to come in, help and then get out of the way and be as invisible as possible. From there, we have a striker and it sounds cooler than it is, but, and it's one of my least favorite roles, but it's super crucial and important. And that is you, you're the person who strikes the room after recording. So if you just did a drum session, you're the person who's going to take all the mics, the mic stands, the cables, wrap them all up, put them nicely and put them away. So the next session's ready. There's a mic locker, make sure that the mics go properly where they're supposed to go. Anything that needs to be replenished, like coffee or anything that anything that you'd put away to break down the session room, it's that's a striker. And again, that's one of those roles that can be interchanged with an intern, um, if allowed with that experience. And if that intern knows where everything goes, then yeah, like they would. Hey, we need you to strike the room afterwards after you're done with the other stuff that you're whatever you're doing or asking. Like, hey, after we're done with the session, we need someone to strike. Are you able to do it? And you know, being a striker, it's the worst role because like you have to hunt everything down, but it also can lead to some really cool conversations with the artists or the like producers, recording engineers, and you can see cool setups. So you didn't have like being a runner or an assistant and helping in the big preliminary stages. It's all right. But as you're recording and things are happening, the setup always changes. So being a striker, you can kind of get in there and peek at like, oh, that's how you set up that snare mic. Oh, that's. That's how you did that thing. Ah, oh, that's that's pretty sick. And sometimes you can see people's little secret sauce, and you don't say anything. You just see it, you're like, oh, that's how they that's how they do. It. I got you, got you. So I hate striking because it was it got to a point where I never got to see cool shit like that. But or I never got to see cool stuff like that anymore because it's like I hate feeling jaded. But when you get so much experience, some things just don't excite you like they used to anymore. Unfortunately, uh, but I mean, if Eric Valentine. Or uh, Joe Barisi asked me to strike a studio. I would do that in a heartbeat. And if they're listening, uh, even though I'm I'm doing YouTube and podcasting, I will gladly, gladly be your, be anything you need me to be in your studios. I love those guys. Their 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 records are so so awesome. Um, the next role is a really crucial role that a lot of people actually don't utilize. I've only seen this utilized on bigger records that I was a part of, but at the beginning stages, people uh, tend to not really worry about this role when I think it's actually one of the most important roles you can have and put into your budget as you're growing your home studio. And that's finding a tech. Now, 
I'm sure if you're in a band, you've heard like a guitar tech or a drum tech and they can be the same people, even though some of the skills might change a little bit from the live to studio world. But in essence, it's the same role, someone who specializes in something. So it could be setting up basses, setting up guitars, um, tuning drums, like a drum tech is probably one of the best investments you can make in the studio. Getting getting the drums to sound right, having them sit the heads and everything. Oh man, like when you have a drum tech on a session, it just changes everything. But you know, there's also uh, techs in studios that have consoles and things like that. They might be the assistant engineer, or someone, but someone who knows the the technical the technicalities of the gear and how to repair it or how to make sure it stays, you know, at a hundred percent. But techs are an an incredible, incredible resource in the studio. And there are some techs that know how to fix gear and make their own gear and fix amps and mod amps, but that's all they do, or even with pedals. So techs are just people who specialize in one thing. And sometimes as a solo, you know, studio owner, you gotta be your own tech. You're setting up the guitars, you're you're setting up the drums and everything. So that is another role to remember. And you're probably like, I'm my own runner, I'm my own striker, I'm my own tech. I'm already three of these. Yeah. So when you're, when you're budgeting, you got to take all this stuff into account. And this is, I have another podcast episode lined up for why it's so crucial to understand the roles on when you start pricing yourself. And the next one is an engineering assistant. And this one is just, uh, I'm going to draw for an example. So it's a lot, a lot easier. So when you're recording a record, there's usually the audio engineer, the, the person who's going to be setting up the mics and recording pro tools and just making sure they, they're getting the takes that the producer's telling them that they want and, or the producer has entrusted them to get the takes. And if you're your own, you know, home studio engineer, you're your own assistant engineer essentially, but they're just someone who is either, you know, the setup's been done. They're assisting in any way, and they're basically doing whatever the engineer who's in charge of the session is asking them to do. Um, and sometimes it's just set up the mics and the stands, and you don't even have to get super crazy with them because they're gonna the engineer's gonna come in and fine tune them. Other times it could be you're setting up the mic inputs in the Pro Tools session in the studio room, but whatever the engineer needs assisting with, they will tell you. And every, every assistant engineer relationship that I've seen, they're all kind of the same. You essentially become like a clone of the engineer. And some of them are the engineer just wants you to uh, set up the mics, put the inputs in the process session and just sit in the back of the room and shut up. Um, it, it, and it's not because they're being rude or anything like that. It's just like they, they can't have you asking questions or being a distraction. So it's like, do these little things so that I can go set up, fine tune the mics how I want them. You're in the room pressing record for me because I need to be out here because they feel more, they need to be more in control or they might feel comfortable with you moving and then they're in the room. So whatever their needs are, they will explain it. And if you're at that level with an engineer, you've done quite a few records to get to that level and you probably were an intern at some point and or have experience with other audio engineers and they, you know, when they need someone for a session, they're like, oh yeah, my guy, my, 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 my guy will take care of it for you. All right. So from there, then we got the engineer. Now engineer often gets really blurred with producer because oftentimes if you're recording at like a studio that lets you record time, uh, studio time, the engineer, the person who's recording bands tend to trust that person and they kind of become like some pseudo producer by giving their input. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
They're just an engineer. And some engineers are great engineering and following the direction that the producer has given them. The producer, I like to think of the director. I like to think of them as the person who's, they understand what the script is. They've seen the storyboard. Now it's time to get the actors to make the storyboard and the script come to life, which is the artist. And then they need to tell the DP, the cinematographer, which is going to be your audio engineer, which is going to be your recording engineers, your audio engineers. And they're, hey, I we need this done. We need that done. And a lot of producers will have, a, there'll be a team of well, like one or two or three or a couple of audio engineers who just understand their mindset and workflow. So they're like, okay, for this song, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this. They're entrusted to go and record with the artists and get the takes that are necessary and that's their whole role as engineers. What mic is going to be the right mic or what mic does this producer like on, you know, these vocals on these drums, what kind of artists are we working with? They have the knowledge and the experience to be able to be in charge of recording something of that nature. And again, if you're your own home studio individual, uh, you're doing all this yourself <laughs> and you're like, you're seeing now it's a lot, right? It's like, it's crazy on, on bigger records. It's like some of the, some people will take on two or three of these roles, but other really big budget records, everybody has their own role and it's a machine and no one crosses or blurs lines because it's like, nope, this is the system. This is all you specialize in. And that's how you get the best out of it. And then we got the producer, which I mentioned is the director of, they're the ones making this whole thing come to life. They, they've been there with the artists. They've made the storyboards of what they want the song to be. That's the pre-production. And they're like, all right, we know exactly what these songs are going to be. So now it's time to take the script to our DP and our cinematographers, get the mics, everything we need all set up and hit record. And let's start making this thing. Let's start making this record. And, you know, they have, they, they know where the end product needs to be, what they want the songs to do. Them and the artists are, you know, ideally aligned in what the vision of the the record needs to be. And producers just telling everyone, this is what needs to be taken care of. And this is where we're going in the direction. Then from all this, you will have an editor. And the reason I put the editor after producer is oftentimes, uh, I've been in a lot of situations where the record gets recorded and then it gets comped. And then from there, it gets sent to the editor to kind of clean things up to make them be super polished. And it it, it kind of depends on where in the stage, because sometimes while the record's being recorded, the audio engineer will record it, the producer, same day or the next day, will say, okay, I've comped it. These are the takes and the, everything that I want, and then send it off to the editor. Um, and then other times, it could be while the tracking is happening, the edit, the audio engineer is trusted to make the right calls when it comes to the editing and they're able to give the files directly to the editor and the editor knows what needs to be done because they're in a working relationship where they have that all sorted out. But an editor can encompass editing everything from like creating MIDI edits to creating drum edits, guitar, bass, vocals, vocal tuning. Um, they can, and, and, an editor can do it all, or they can only be, oh, I only specialize in like metal drums, or I only do vocals. Um, and it, the ones that specialize make pretty good money because it's like, yeah, you're going to send me the files 
and I'm going to send them back and there's going to be no, you're, you're not going to need anything touched up or redone because they're going to be solid. So a lot of editors can, you know, because they're so damn good, they can charge a little bit more of a premium because it's like, yeah, you're not going to need, <laughs> you're not going to need re-edits on my edits. Whereas other editors, you know, they're kind of a jack of all trades and they can do any style and anything, but you know, you're going to have a couple of recalls. Uh, and it just kind of depends on the project that you're working on, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Uh, I can say from experience, the higher level you go, the premium is, is like kind of, kind of becomes thing. And if you're not specialized in everything, that's okay. People will be like, yeah, I've got this person doing drums. I got you doing vocals and I got someone else doing bass and guitars. Cause they know that the edits are going to come back just cohesive and sounding good. And that's what they do. And then from there, once all the files are ready to go, they get sent off to the mixer. But before the mixer gets them, usually most mixers will have a mixing assistant. And the mixing assistant is the individual who knows exactly how the mixer likes their sessions prepared, the routing, where the tracks are going to be going, um, the color coding, the track naming scheme, if it's on a console, uh, normalizing. Pretty much they've been trained by the mixer to prep the session for exactly how they need things to be done, what EQs they already have on the channels that for certain things to generate MIDI. If it hasn't been created for the drum shells, um, <clears throat> their effects templates, preset templates. And if the track is even ready to get to that stage, maybe the mix assistant reviews and they're like, yeah, there's a few tracks in here that are completely like screwed up and need to be, Re re-recorded or something needs to happen because there's no way you're going to be able to do the mix with these tracks. You can review them here. I've dropped them in this folder and you know, the mix assistant is kind of like the pre-quality assurance before the mixer gets the files. And then essentially the, and then from there you have the mixer and the mixer just wants to, you know, pull up the session and listen to the reference to see what the band was going for. And then from there, just, make the emotion of the song come out and not worry about like, Oh, this should have been re-edited or this should have been hard tuned. And you know, the, the less of that a mixer has to do, the more they can focus on, uh, on making the emotion of the mix come to life, which is what a mixer is supposed to do. It's really blurred nowadays because <clears throat> budgets are so strapped that audio engineers are cutting corners. Editors are cutting corners. Everyone cuts corners until it gets to the mixer's lap and then the mixer is like, ah, oh, shit. Like, if I ask them to do this stuff, the record's not going to be done on time. It's not going to get to the mastering engineer on time. And then the vinyl pressing is not going to be done on time. And then the record's not going to be done on time. And I'm going to have the label breathing down my neck. And the band's mad because the record won't be ready for a certain tour. And I, I've seen this stuff happen. And it it just really su sucks that, like, the mixer is put in a position of, like, they're kind of the default bad guy if the thing, if the record's not working out and because of this type of workflow that's happened, what I've seen more common than anything nowadays is like producers will literally, I don't want to speak on everybody, but I've seen a lot of records where it's mostly like MIDI bass, MIDI drums, and then uh, guitar DIs and then vocals and the mix engineers sent that, and they're kind of like, okay, cool. You get to make like all the drum tones, the guitar tones, and the bass tones, essentially. And in my opinion, that's not being a mixer. That's being paid to be a producer. Uh, but 
that's just the reality of the world that we live in. It's like, well, are you going to have a pissy fit and not get the record done? Or are you going to get the record done? Because ultimately you said yes to making the record and your name's on the line. So it's kind of like you can, you've got to deal with the shit you've been dealt and it kind of sucks. But as a mixer in a perfect world, you would have a mix assistant. They would have it, you know, it would check all the, check all the boxes and you just go in and you just start, you know, mixing the emotion of the song, automating, doing all the, like the stuff that really makes a record come to life. The artist, the artist gives it life, but then you, you go in there and you really make, make it sound like how they wanted it to sound. And, you know, that's why some mixers are paid the big old bucks because of how skilled they are in doing that. And after that, we have a mastering assistant and a mastering assistant usually will like the same thing as a mix assistant prep the session, make sure all the songs are ready in the file folder, how everything, how everything needs to be. Um, and after the mastering engineer has done that, then they'll take care of like stems. And actually what I forgot with the mixing assistant is they usually not all the time, but on occasion mix assistants can't handle recalls and notes for the mixer. If they've been trained thoroughly enough and they're an, enough of a clone, they will handle like the stem balancing the, just the catalog of like archiving all the tracks and everything like that. Mixing mastering assistant will typically do the same. And then the mastering engineer final form of quality control. They're going to make sure the track is uh, loud AF and that it just, you know, it meets all the standards for streamings and whatever else, like tweaking the track. Sometimes there might be a little bit of back and forth between the mastering engineer and the mixer just to make sure that the mix is a hundred percent where it can be so that the mastering can do very little and the artist is extremely happy. Um, but yeah, those are the studio roles and you can see <laughs> from being someone who works in a home studio environment, you're like, yeah, I'm like all of those. I'm my own intern, my own runner, my own striker, my own tech recording assistant, audio engineer, producer, editor, mix assistant, mixer, mastering assistant, and mastering engineer. And there's another role to the studio and that's a studio manager, but then there's also the studio bookkeeper. And these are things just to keep in mind, like a studio manager is the one who's blocking out the times, making sure sessions are overlapping properly, that people know where they need to be, that artists and clients know where they need to be, that files are being stored properly, things are being put away properly, people people are getting, they're collecting money, people are getting paid. So there's a lot to working in a professional studio environment, but you're also your own studio manager too. You've got to keep all that stuff in check. Are you managing your files right? Do you know how to onboard and outsource in case you need to hire someone? Do you have a process for bringing on artists and clients and things of that nature? So this was just a very short summary of studio roles, and I hope you found it helpful. And if you found this episode helpful, if you could share it with a friend or someone you might know that it will also bring value to, I would really appreciate it. And if you'd like to hang out some more, there is a Plugin Alley Discord server that will be in the show notes. You can come in there and we can hang out and talk some more gear and studio roles and all things nerd. And until next time, remember, working in music sucks, but it doesn't have to. And I will catch you on the next one.